Hey friend, welcome to my podcast, Talking By Myself. And you're like, wait a minute, talking by yourself, what? That's not even grammatically correct. Well, I actually came up with this idea because my dad, <laughs> he would, as I, when I was growing up as a kid, I had a very vivid imagination to say the least and I would act out loud in different characters and I remember there was probably more than one time but there's this one time that just stuck in my mind and he came outside and he said are you talking by yourself and I just remember thinking that was so it just stuck in my mind and that that statement has stayed with me and as I was searching for podcast titles, I didn't want something to be already used. So I ended up being like, I wonder what would be uniquely me? What would be uniquely something unique about my life and my story? And I just came back to that little segment of my dad asking me, are you talking by yourself? So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I ended up labeling calling this podcast talking by myself um there's a lot of reasons behind that but first i want to go ahead and introduce myself for those people who maybe don't know me so i'm layla rosa and i am many many things but um many people know me as an actor i'm not famous but uh, i think that's mostly where i've showed up in social media is more of the uh, the things that I've done, the productions that I've been a part of. Um, and yeah, I am going to be 30 years old this year. It's pretty insane. Um, people keep asking me if I'm worried, if I'm scared. And I just kind of look at them like with a confused look because I'm like, I love aging. I've loved aging. It's been such a wonderful process for me mentally because I feel like I've just, the more I've aged, the more I've come into who I truly am and who I'm, I've, I've always been meant to be. Um, and I'm not really sure exactly what I mean by all of that statement. However, I do know that I'm having a fun time aging and it's so funny to see. And obviously, you know, as women, there is this horrible thing in the world that there's so many horrible things but there's one thing about aging where women face it more than men and that's just the you're, you're getting old da, 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 blah 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 you know what I'm saying I don't have to go into detail about that that is another topic for another time but I am just so happy to be doing this podcast, to be bringing these ideas out into the open, and to be sharing my story. And um, it is something that I did debate for quite some time. I really spent a long time asking myself if I was serious about it, if it was something that was worth doing. I had a lot of self-doubt and just thinking maybe somebody doesn't want to listen to my story. But then it never left me. The idea of doing this podcast never left me. And I was like, you know what? I think it is worth doing because I know that there's people out there who can relate and 
also it's a part of my healing process. I really am excited and hope to be able to be brave enough to share some of the things that I don't get to share on my social media about my my past and my current life and things that I'm thinking about, questions that I have, because I got a lot of them. So naturally doing something like this is a very, uh, feels very natural for me to, to be on here. So I wanted to go ahead and approach this topic today. And my first topic I'm going to be talking about, and it's such a fun first topic, I think, and sort of funny to be talking about is the topic of loneliness. And this is something that I've always kind of been captivated by in for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why I've always been sort of just captivated by loneliness. Um, as a study and as a, and experiencing my own loneliness. So I wanted to go ahead and share a definition that I found for loneliness because I think sometimes people don't really know what it is. And this is, I found this great um, definition on Britannica.com. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. And this is what it says. Loneliness distressing experience that occurs when a person's social relationships are perceived by that person to be less in quality and especially in quantity. Oh, excuse me, I read that backwards. Let's try that again. It should have been. I love this because it's live. Uh, so the, it actually should have read, loneliness, distressing experience that occurs when a person's social relationships are perceived by that person to be less in quantity and especially in quality than desired. The experience of loneliness is highly subjective. An individual can be alone without feeling lonely and can feel lonely even when with other people. And that last part really gets me. So there's so many memories that come to my mind with this. And I'm I just want to say before I move forward that I'm picking loneliness because it is something I'm experiencing right now in my life and I'm really fascinated by it. I'm really I think for the first time allowing myself to feel truly that that feeling of loneliness and not trying to um numb it by any means. And I'm trying to really, and also I'm in therapy. I've been in therapy for the last three years. And um, it's something that I've been able to get to this place now here today to say, I'm trying to just really comfort that loneliness instead of numb it, like I was saying, through various means um, that I've done in the past. Uh, behaviors, self, negative self-talk. I mean, you can really start to just list it all. And I'll have to talk about that, too, because that's probably an interesting topic. Um, but I want to point towards one of my... I mean, I've had... There's a couple I can really remember um, moments of loneliness. However, I want to choose one because this moment was really big. It was, like, really intense for me. And I'm going to try to protect... Um, 
people who are involved in this memory. So I won't use names for their purpose because I, I don't want it to be, I never have any intention of bashing any persons on this podcast or, or saying things that are um, on any level hurtful towards any person or group or identity. I just want to put that out there. Um, that's not my intention. And I hope that I can honor that through this whole process. But if I do say something that is not nice, go ahead and kindly let me know if it bothered you or if there was something that, I don't know, I really am not sure. I'm just this is all kind of improving for me right now. So one of, I'm going to go back to the topic I was just on. So one of the first memories I have um, of recent loneliness that was very pivotal in my life before I really understood it was this one summer I went to, um, and it was in my mid twenties. I went to my, a friend's, um, beach house and I was drinking and, um, I didn't really, I don't know if I really fully understood what was going on. I don't think I did. Um, but, um, at this point in my life, I was really, really struggling with disordered eating. Um, I was very much a restrictor and a dieter and was very, very obsessed with image, body image. I mean, anything I could obsess over, I was doing it. Like it was calories, sugar. I mean, like all of it, there was like definitely this orthorexia. So orthorexia is, I'll have to like talk about that too, because (laughs) a lot of people don't know what that is. But, uh, but anyways, um, there, there was that, um, those components in my life happening. And so I was at this beach house and I always had this, not always, but at this point in my life, um, and to this day too, I would say, I have this fear of being in a bathing suit and being around large groups of people and just people seeing my body in that way. So naturally being at this like beach area was really challenging for me in the midst of a really dark place that I was in. I was pretty depressed. I just wasn't saying anything. I wasn't talking to anybody about it. Um... And so I was at a beach house. Okay, going back to the story. Sorry, guys. I know I'm going everywhere, but I have to explain some of these things before I move forward. So I'm at a beach house and there were a ton of people at this. There was like another one, another beach house right next door. And they're having this party and there was like all this food and all these hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that. Then there was like a patty outside and there was like a place where, you know, you could drop your boat into the river and then you could go take your boat into the ocean. It was like very, very, um, affluent neighborhood. Um, and that also, there was a lot of people that fit that sort of, uh, demographic. Um, and I was the person who didn't know anybody. Um, I just knew my friend and her parents and, um, and, uh, so it, I, I ended up going and was at this party thing. <laughs> I was sitting down outside and I was drinking white wine, I remember. And that day I knew that I didn't eat. I hadn't eaten that much because I once again, I was restricting. So I was 
no, what I would do is I would play games. So like if I knew that I was going to be around a lot of people and there was going to be like food and like wine and stuff, I would like, I would play this game of how little could I eat in that day so that when I got to the party, I could either, I mean, I would do a bunch of stuff. So I would either like hide food, sneak food, or I would eat in front of other people, but I would make it appear that I was eating, like I was very controlled. Like I would put on this facade of having um, very like health conscious, uh, and I say facade because it's completely fake and I was in so much pain, but that's what I wanted to appear really normal. I wanted to cover up my disorder. I wanted to have people just think I was really health conscious or whatever it was just like I didn't want people to point out any kind of thing so I just I learned how to disguise it um and then so then I was like drinking a lot because I was like maybe I'll just get really drunk and I won't I won't feel any of the things that I'm feeling and let me tell you what alcohol doesn't work that way especially not when you're uh malnourished and then you drink on top of that so um I should say restricting not malnourished. I was restricting. Um, but I wasn't nourishing my body. That is really the point there. So I was outside and then I remember being around a bunch of people. They were talking about, and I don't really remember the conversation because basically what I remember is me having an anxiety attack. I don't recall the information that was being said, but I remember my mind and my body going into a state of panic. Um, and it was triggered off of, I think, just feeling like I was an outsider and feeling like I had to, like I was uh, an outsider and an imposter in this whole situation that I've just described. And so I, 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 I had an anxiety attack. I felt my heartbeat get very rapid. I was like sitting down. I was at, I shouldn't have been having that fast of a heart rate, but I was, I felt it really pick up all of a sudden. It was really scary and I remember just starting to feel like a huge sense of dread. And I just like was looking around, like I started being very shifty. And then I think my friend noticed uh, that I was starting to get shifty and I was like, I'm, I'm going to leave. And I was starting to, I was starting to uh, stutter my words, which is something that happens. Your, your brain literally just gets hijacked by the anxiety and nothing comes out kind of like, it it doesn't really make sense. You just kind of jumble everything and nothing in your mind makes sense either. So I got up and I exited that party as fast as I possibly could without people noticing. And I remember the door closing and people saying, well, if you want to take food with you or, hey, if you want to come back, no problem. Are you okay? And then I just, I didn't answer anybody. And it was very unlike me because I am a huge <laughs> I'm trying to uh, lose this part of what I've taken on because of things that happened in my childhood, but I'm a huge people pleaser. So I would normally have answered that person with a like a somewhat of a kind statement just to get them sort of like to leave me alone in a way. That's what I would do. It's kind of my mechanism to escape. But I didn't answer because I couldn't. I just had to get out. I was literally like, my body was just like, and my mind was like, you're going to, something really bad's going to happen if you stay here. And that's kind of what drove me out of that party. And then I just started hyperventilating. I got next door to where I was staying 
And I was just pacing around inside and I was started crying, weeping out loud. And I was like making sounds that I don't, I don't even know what I was just, I just felt a huge sense of grief coming out of me. And it was, I was at a point where I wasn't controlling it. I wasn't controlling my reaction and I was alone in that house for that moment. But then my friend came in and was like, what's going on? What's the matter? Did something say something like trying to figure out what's going on? And I just couldn't. Once again, I wasn't calm. So I was just like, I was repeating words, slurring them. And I was hyperventilating. She's like, okay. And she got me to calm down, which was really good. (laughs) She was able to really get me to calm down. And I just stayed there for the rest of the day because I couldn't face those people again. I couldn't like go back out and like, because I thought that people were going to think I was weird like that weird girl that left or whatever. And um, I felt so like the outsider, so much like the imposter. I didn't have, not to like make myself sound like, I mean, I have a lot of, I'm very thankful for the things that I do have in my life. But when I was in that moment, I felt very, um, yeah, I just felt like an outsider. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere to any people. And so I just was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here right now. And I felt like a little sense of like, I don't want to say death, but it felt so isolating that it felt like parts of me were not here on earth, um, which does definitely kind of go with an anxiety attack. So I'm saying all of this because I came back and from the trip and, um, It was one of the moments where I realized I had a, I was really fighting a war that was beyond, way beyond my control. And I didn't know until years later after that incident, when I finally came back and I say finally, because I actually, so I started seeing therapy, I started, excuse me, I started seeing a therapist when I was in New York City. Um, And that was within the, I think that was two and a half years in. Um, And I'm trying to remember this timeline of events of when all this happened. Because a lot of of things happened for me from the age of like 26, starting at 26. Um, That's actually when I started therapy. So that was my point for that. So um, that that so that first therapist did not diagnose me with anything it was kind of like one of those therapies you go to that are and it was great for the first starting out but it was definitely like um wasn't the best and that's okay because i think at that point in my life that's what i i was just needing to talk i think the diagnoses would have been very overwhelming for me And I don't know if I would have really understood it in the way that would have helped me. I think I would have just felt very, um, what's that word? Uh, Just really crushed by it instead of like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I don't know. So, okay. So then I came back, I moved back to Reno about, okay, that was in 2018. I came back to Reno in March. I remember that. And it was a big decision. I'm going to have to talk about that some other time. But I came back and I came here and I ended up getting set up with a really wonderful, very, very knowledgeable therapist. And she was actually the first person to ever use a couple words with me. 
um, and to diagnose me officially. And at that time, which was now three years ago, oh my gosh, not that long ago. It would have been two years ago, excuse me, because my first therapist was two years ago. Two years ago, um, she diagnosed me with GED, which stands for generalized, excuse me, did I say it right? Generalized anxiety disorder. So, gen- yeah, G, generalized, GAD. I always, I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of too many other things. So, yeah, GAD, um, generalized anxiety disorder. <laughs> and um, that was, whoa, that was like, oh, okay, wow. So, it's not just in my mind. And that was the first time where somebody was like, no, you really have it. <laughs> and, like, all these years of researching online, wondering if I had anxiety, Nobody ever saying anything like I was very confused. And then somebody says it. And I was like, oh, like it really shifted my mind that day. And it was really hard work and it's still work um, to this day. But so that was one of my first ones. The next one they had to diagnose me for um, health insurance reasons with another one. So um, they did diagnose me with which. I don't know. I'm not super into labels for this one, but when I talk about disordered eating, I talked about restrictions. So naturally she was like, oh, okay, we'll go with, um, you know, after listening to me and making a decision about it, we'll go with um, anorexia nervosa, but in partial remission. So yeah, cause I was, I was at, I was at a healthy weight. Um, so I didn't fit the requirements to be, you know, um, full blown, anorexia and needing to be, you know, hospitalized or anything. So, um, yeah. And I, I, I know people who have had that. And so, um, that's another topic, but, um, but anyways, yeah. So, and now years later, I ended up calling it disordered eating because I feel like it fits my experience a lot more. And, um, I am actually currently working on intuitive eating, with my therapist right now. It's a different therapist because I've moved so many times. So back in Reno again, and I was in California with a different one and now I'm back in Reno and, uh, she is awesome. And anyways, we're working on intuitive eating and I've been really enjoying the process, but I've also really hated it. To be honest, it's really sucks some days. It's fucking hard. So yeah, by the way, I'm going to cuss in this podcast. I know I haven't done that yet, but I'm going to do it. Um, so if you're offended by words, uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know. Don't listen. Um, anyways, no, you, you do you, boo-boo. So I'm doing intuitive eating. Um, I would like to do a specific episode on that. But I want to circle back to my first topic because... want to lose focus on that one. So loneliness. Um, the, the story I shared earlier is a moment that I felt extremely alone. Um, the one at the beach house and then, you know, um, kind of feeling very outside of myself, I think in the mental health realm and not really understanding what was going on definitely makes you feel so outside. And I want to share something else about me that a lot of people don't know. 
And I want to share it because I think it's very, very important for people to know and hear, not to for me to share because I'm comfortable sharing it. But I think it's important that we increase our understanding and our in our compassion. So actually, I do have a learning disability. Um, and that was extremely isolating. So that goes in hand in hand with my loneliness topic here. And my learning disability was diagnosed, thankfully, when I was in first grade. So it was diagnosed fairly early on. Um, and I actually didn't talk until like I was like two and a half or whatever, my mom tells me. And they didn't know why I wasn't talking. So they took me to a couple of doctors. They thought I was deaf. So I got tested for like hear like to see if I was deaf or whatever. You know, did all those tests and I could hear the little beeps and stuff. And there was a bunch of different like I would wear headphones and they were doing a bunch of different tests. Um and they so I ended up actually after several tests, which included like reading comprehension and math and a bunch of other stuff to see what was going. They were trying to figure out what was going on with me. Um, I was diagnosed with audio perceptual disorder. So a lot of people don't know what that is. So I'm going to go ahead and give you all the definition and I'm going to explain my experience of it a little bit. So according to... Um, well, there's a couple ones I, I, I could use, but I'll go ahead and use um, one on from Harvard, EDU. So it's characterized by, this is the definition here, it is characterized by a reduce, reduced ability to perceive information contained in an auditory stimuli despite intact auditory pathways. Affected individuals have difficulty with speech perception, sound localization, and comprehending the meaning of inflections of speech. All right, so now I'm going to give it kind of more in layman's terms, the way I understand it, the way I explain it to other people. And what I will say is, it's like ear dyslexia, because people usually understand what dyslexia is for like a visual component, but mine is audio dyslex dyslexia. So for me growing up, that is my experience. What I just read from the Harvard EDU is totally my experience. Um, and with this, this is another story of when I felt very, um, very alone, very lonely, very isolated, very much the other. So, um, I was in school and I went to an elementary school, and I'm actually from Southern California originally. That's probably people don't know that a lot as well. And uh, a town called Fallbrook, California, which is the avocado capital. Very proud of that. I love avocados. Um, <laughs> side note. And I went to this elementary school, which I really liked this elementary school. I had I ended up having a lot of friends here. So it was really, actually really, my sixth sixth grade year was really awesome. So um, I went to this elementary school and the name of the elementary school is La Paloma. And I would always remember, oh, it's the home, the home of the wolves because that's we were the wolves. And I thought that was really cool growing up. So um, in the school from the first grade onwards up until sixth grade, I was in special ed. 
And I want to correct that statement because I actually, in all reality, I was technically in special ed till I was in 10th grade in high school. And yep, I was getting pulled out of classes. So I'm going to go ahead and tell a little story about that right now. So going back to sixth grade in Fallbrook. So I'm going to the school. And I remember there was a test, a really big test one day. And I was in my homeroom, as we would call it. And I was really enjoying you know, all my classmates, we were having, we all got along. It was so insane. Like we, I remember laughing and everybody was so happy and everybody liked everybody, which isn't everybody's experience. I understand in in elementary school, but we all liked each other. We were all very good friends. And, um, I even had like a little boyfriend kind of, (laughs) um, but anyway, so I ended up, I know there was a test this day and the person, so I'm going to use some terms here, came from the resource room. So when I say resource room, what I mean is the special education department. That was a, that would that'd be a code term that people would say, oh, go to the resource room, go to that, because that's where people like myself would be able to go get help on tests. And a lot of people would be like, wait a minute, do they tell you the answers? Like kids would always ask me that as a kid. And that's not the case. And that's why I want to talk about this, because it's already stigmatizing enough growing up with a learning disability, which, by the way, you do not outgrow them. I have it to this day. I will have it till the day I die. And it does affect me in different ways. But I've learned how to cope. And thank God my mom put me, you know, she got me tested and I was in special ed because I wouldn't maybe even be here today in the way that I am, to be honest. Um, And I I have a reason for for saying that, but I'm going to go back to my story because I don't want to get sidetracked. Um, So anyways, the person comes from the resource room and I'm in my classroom and I'm all having fun and all happy. And they there's a test coming out and I'm like, oh, and then they come in, they get me and they say, "Okay, let's go take the test. And I'm very embarrassed immediately. I'm like, oh, no, she's here. The person from the special education place is here. And now I have to go away. All the kids are going to make fun of me. And they're going to ask me all these questions, and I'm, I don't want to be asked questions. I don't understand why I have to be different, and I struggle with that so much. I didn't understand why why it was happening to me, why, like, even I even asked God. I remember when I was a kid, like, God, why did you make me this way? Why did you make me with the learning disability? I'm not stupid. I know I'm not. But I felt so shamed, and there was there was a lot of shame for me there, a lot. That's another great topic I'll have to talk about. But anyways, um, so I felt very much like an outsider and very alone. And then I go to the resource room, take my test, and I don't remember how that part of the story ends. But because you know how childhood can be like little little glimpses of it here and there in your life. And but I that was one of my first early memories of feeling very much like I wasn't like I didn't belong for some reason. And I've pretty much felt that my whole life, to be honest. Like, have I ever felt like I've belonged? No. (laughs) But I'm starting to accept that because I think that we, I think there's people who feel that way. I think probably a lot of people possibly listening to this podcast now feel that way. And I bring this, this, this uh, topic up of loneliness because I think that we have to talk about it. We have to talk about what's going on in the world and you know the pandemic going on right now and all the other things that are happening in our world and in our country and a lot of emotions behind that 
and some rightfully so. But I think that we must talk about, we must have conversations with each other. So it is my hope with this podcast that um, people do feel more inclined to speak up or to message me. Um, I'm doing this on Anchor. So if you, from what I understand, you can message me on this, I think. Um, hopefully we'll be setting up an email as well if I get so much of interest in this. But um, I just want to say that I share all these stories both for my own healing but also so that I may be speaking into a void but that other people would hear it and feel less alone. Um, And hopefully sometimes it'll be funny. I don't know. I'm not a comedian, but... um, I like to make, I don't know, I like to share fun stories, I guess. Um, and I'm trying to think about right now what I could share fun because I'm going to be ending this this podcast because I want to make sure it's not too long for you guys, for you girls and guys and and everybody and everybody, whoever, they, whatever pronoun you want to use, I, I support that, whatever it is for you. Um, and yeah. I'm hoping to also maybe just like make some more friends. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, I hope you have. I hope you all take care of yourselves. And I hope that this is maybe helped you feel a little bit more at ease. So thank you, Liz. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Talking by Myself.